0: Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Today, we are continuing our series, Monster. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with this week's message. Uh, In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about uh, our heart. And again, not that physical uh, muscle that's pumping blood in your chest. We're talking about the heart. Uh, that philosophers and poets write about. We're talking about the heart that when you think of love and emotions, the seat, the, the central part of your being, your heart. And over the last couple of weeks, we've said sometimes monsters can attack that heart. First week, we talked about guilt and how guilt will attack your heart and eat away at you until. Until you are a guilty person. We said the only way to get past guilt, the only way to defeat the guilt monster in your heart is through confession. Through admitting your wrongs, confessing them, and making restitution where possible. Where possible. Last week we talked about anger and how anger is a monster that will attack your heart and will make you an angry person where you believe that everybody that you come in contact with owes you something. We said the only way to really defeat the monster of angry is through forgiveness, through canceling debts, through, through saying to the person that hurt you or wronged you, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. Well, this week, we're going to... Continue that, and I've got to make a confession right up front. Uh, today we're going to be talking a lot about money. We're going to be a lot about, pretty much the whole message today is on that topic. And you say, really? Pastor, how are you going to spend the entire time today talking about money? Well, you see, Jesus says in the New Testament that money, our love, our desire, our passion for stuff, is the number one competitor for our heart's affection. That's what Jesus is saying when he says that the love of money is the root of all evil. He's saying that the passion, the drive, the, the desire for stuff is the number one competitor that your heart has for affection to God. It's the number one thing. Matter of fact, Jesus talks more about this subject than he does heaven, hell, and faith combined. Apparently, Jesus knows something about us that we often miss, that the thing we're talking about today is a monster that can affect our heart and destroy us from the inside out. We're talking today about greed, greed, the love of stuff. Now, just like we said, each monster has this debtor, debt or or debt to debtor relationship where guilt says, I owe you because I stole from you. I took something from you. Angry or anger says, you owe me. Greed is interesting. Greed actually says, I owe me. I owe me. You don't owe me. I don't owe you. I owe me. I worked really hard. I earned everything that I received. And so I deserve every good thing that could possibly come my way. I deserve it because I earned it. And it's mine. Now I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, well, I can, I can check out because I haven't had a greedy thought my entire life. Pastor Josh, I don't have enough bills in my wallet or enough uh, commas in my bank account to be greedy. <laughs> Hello? Well, listen to that. I want you to just tune in for the next 30 minutes and I would almost guarantee that every one of us in this room at some point in their lives have been attacked by the greed monster. I'm going to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. We're going to Land there for the entire time we're here this morning. Luke chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 13. There's this interesting story. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've been in a lot of parables in this series. It's good stuff. We learn a lot of things in Jesus' parable. I do want to apologize if I have to take a drink of water. I've been fighting it cold all week. And you know the last thing that goes is the cough. Isn't that annoying You're laying in your bed. You're ready to just go to sleep. You can't, because you can't stop coughing. Man, that's aggravating. But anyway, before we jump into scripture, let's actually say a word of prayer this morning uh, that God would speak to us through his word and uh, illuminate something in our own hearts that we may may not be aware that's even there. Dear Jesus, we thank you this morning. We thank you for yourself. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that has been here with us. God, we know that nothing that we could ever do or uh, promise or work towards or anything can ever come close to even scratching the surface of what you've done for us. We thank you, Lord, for you've been faithful. Now, God, we ask that we would meet with you this morning, that we would hear from your word, that our hearts would be challenged, but also made to look more like you. Speak to us this morning. We thank you for your presence that's already been here. Thank you for those who responded during worship, God. May you meet every need. We celebrate with those who have... Receive good news, and we ask and plead with you, Lord, to meet the needs of those who came forward Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, sometimes we will read the entire passage and then go back and pick up a couple thoughts, and other times we'll read it together, and I'll throw in a few comments here and there, and I'll read a little and preach a little and read a little and teach a little, and that's kind of what we're going to do today. I'm going to read a little bit and preach a little bit. So in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, scripture says this. If you have your phones, you can follow along. Uh, you version, click on live, search for vertical. Uh, it'll be there under the invasion of the beast with five sticky fingers. Isn't that a great one? That's a great one. That's long, too. All right, here we go. Luke, chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of of possessions. You know what's interesting? That little phrase there that Jesus starts off. first the guy just comes and says, Jesus, would you tell this guy to give me what I owe or what I deserve? You tell him, to give me what I deserve. This is mine. Once you step in and settle this situation? Jesus takes this opportunity to actually dive deep into the heart of the human being. Mine and yours, this man's everybody. And the first verse that he says as he makes his entrance into our heart to attack the monster that's in there is, watch out. Be on your guard. Keep your eyes open. Don't stop looking. Always be watching out for all kinds of greed. You ever wondered why Jesus would start out by saying, watch out. Be on your guard. Keep a look out. Don't close your eyes. Don't shut your eyes. Because greed will, will, will come in and invade your heart before you even know it. You've got to keep your eyes open. You've got to keep your guard up. Why would Jesus tell us this? You see, Jesus knows something about greed that we don't realize. And that is that greed is incredibly easy to hide. Greed has all kinds of different disguises and most of them are good. Greed has all sorts of ways to hide out in our heart. And if we're not keeping aware, if we're not watching, greed can set up shop in our heart and we are not even aware of it. You see, greedy people are often savers and saving is good. Saving is noble. Dave Ramsey would tell you to save. Greedy people are often planners. And planning is a good thing. (coughs) Greedy people often want to make sure that their financial future is secure. And that's good. It's good to be a saver. It's good to be a planner. It's good to make sure that your financial future is safe and secure. But greed can hide behind those things. This is why Jesus says, watch out. Be on guard. Keep a lookout for all kinds of greed. You you may be thinking, well, I, I know people that need to be watching out for greed, but trust me, I am not the person that needs to be watching out for greed. Here's the thing about greed. Greed doesn't know any socioeconomic boundaries. I've met greedy poor people, and I've met greedy rich people. Greed doesn't know any age boundaries. I've met greedy young people and greedy old people. Greed is not a financial issue. See, I've met people who've experienced great financial gain, and they're just as greedy as when they experienced great financial loss. Because greed's not a financial issue. Matter of fact, greed doesn't have a thing to do with how much money you have in your bank account or how many bills you've got in your wallet it's nothing to do with it greed is a heart issue that's why Jesus says be on guard. watch out see Jesus could have just said if it was a financial issue Jesus could have said hey when your your bank account reaches a certain point then you need to start thinking about greed He doesn't. He says, at all times, watch out, be on guard. Why? Because Jesus knows that greed is a heart problem. Greed is a monster that attacks your heart. And I love what he says. He says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You see, for the greedy person, stuff equals life. That, that the stuff that they own is just an extension of who they are. Their stuff is life. And you may say, Josh, doesn't everybody know that? Stuff isn't life? Surely everybody knows that. Is there anybody that really believes that their life is equivalent to what they own? Well, no and yes. No, everybody doesn't know that. And yes, there are people who believe that their stuff is basically all that there is of life. And here's the reality of it. Many of us, you and I, are more prone to this kind of thinking, this kind of heart condition than we might want to believe. Many of us are prone to greed, many more than we would even imagine. Let's keep on going. Verse 16. We're jumping into the parable now. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He asked this question, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with all my stuff? What am I going to do with all the stuff that I have? This great harvest that God has given me, what am I going to do with it now? You see, in an agricultural society, this guy should have known, if you've been a farmer in your life, you realize this, your harvest has a little bit to do with your work ethic. You get out there every day, make sure that uh, no animals are getting into your crop, make sure that the, the insects and the bugs are away. you do those things, but the reality of it is you can't control the rain. You can't control the heat of the sun. In an agricultural society, farmers are at the mercy of factors they have very little control over. This guy should have realized that this has little to do with his own work. That there's somebody working behind the scenes that has brought this abundant harvest. That there's somebody working behind the curtain that has brought forth this great amount of harvest. But see, the fact is, greedy people don't see this, don't see the world this way. Greedy people see the world and they see their abundance, they see their blessing, and they say, I've earned that. That's mine. I earned that extra. I earned all of that, so I get to decide what to do with it. But see, in our story, in our parable, you know who the source of the extra is? God. Not this this landowner, not this farmer. He didn't make it rain more. He didn't make the soil more fertile so the plants would grow better. He planted, he sowed, and now he's reaping a harvest more than he sowed, and he's asking the question, what am I going to do with all my stuff? You see, that's the wrong question. The question that he's asking, what should I do with all my stuff, is not the right question. The right question, when you come into something that you realize, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot to do with this. I just got blessed. I've got an abundance that really the truth is I didn't earn. God just blessed me. The right question is, Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra that you've provided? That's what he should be asking. That's what this farmer should be asking. What do you want me to do with the extra? Matter of fact, that's the question we all should be asking. Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra? Let's do that let's ask that question this morning all together we're going to look up at the the ceiling I know it seems kind of bizarre you're looking up at a drop ceiling talking to God but look up at the ceiling and just ask God Lord what do you want me to do with the extra? that's the approach that Jesus is kind of starting to hint at as we read this Lord what do you want me to do with the extra? that's not how greedy people think and can I be completely honest with you? That's not how I think all the time. You know, something will come my way. I'll, I'll pick up a side project. A friend will call me and say, hey, Josh, can you, uh, can you design this for me? Or can you write this up for me? I'll say, yeah, sure. Say, well, we'll send you something. And then I'll get that something. And the fact is, it took me about five minutes to put it together. And I've got this extra money. the first thought that I have is, what am I going to spend? Right? Hello? Amen? Amen. I know what it's like. You get a little bit that you didn't plan on. You get a little bit that you didn't know was coming and you already spin it before it even comes. You know it's on its way, so you already spin it. I did it too. You know what? That's greed in our hearts. Because the right question is not What am I going to do with all my stuff? The right question is, Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra? God, what do you want me to do? We're going to see why that's the right question as we continue reading this story. Verse 18. Then he said, being the farmer, this is what I'll do. So here's his answer. Here's his answer to the question, what am I going to do with all my stuff? This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there, I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Bigger barns! This guy is suffering from BBS, bigger barn syndrome. It's what happens when the green monster starts eating at your heart. Bigger barns! I'm gonna build bigger barns. And he even explains why he's going to, be to build bigger barns. And remember we said a lot of times greed will hide behind something that's very noble. Did you catch what he said? He said, I'm going to build bigger barns to secure my financial future. I'm going to build bigger barns so I can take a load off, I can Eat, drink, and be merry. I can secure my I'm going to build bigger barns so my kids don't have to worry about me when I get old. I'm going to build bigger barns so I don't have to put that weight on their shoulders. That's nothing. That's good. Matter of fact, if the story ended here, this guy would be a role model. He'd be interviewed on WNIS. Hey, how can you secure your financial future? Build bigger barns. This guy would be a role model in today's society. i tell you what, your 401k hit the bottom, you need to build bigger barns. It is quiet in the auditorium this morning. Anybody shouting, hey amen, Pastor Josh, we preach it. <laughs> bigger barns. You see, just as this farmer, this certain rich man, this landowner, Landowner overlooked God in considering his good agricultural fortune. Turns out he's also overlooked God in considering how many years he has left. See, he's banking on, I have plenty of grain laid up for many years. I can take it easy. I can take it easy. I can eat, drink, and be merry. But in verse 20, we find out it's not going to be that way for this guy Jesus continues the story and says, but God said to him, you fool, you fool, God calls him a fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then God asked this question. and I think this question is just as important as the the first question that the farmer asked. This question is just as important. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You know what? The answer to that question is pretty obvious. Somebody else. You're going to die, and somebody else is going to get all that grain you're going to try to store up for yourself. Someone else will end up with the very stuff that he has hoarded. Instead of depending upon God's continued provision and giving some of it away, he's hoarded it all for himself, and now he's going to find out it's going to go to somebody else anyway. You see, someone else, whether it's you, me, or this guy, someone else will end up with everything that we earn, everything we deserve, and everything we store up. Eventually, somebody else is going to end up with it all. In the end, all of our possessions, all of this guy's possessions, are going to be given and distributed to somebody else. Not because he's generous, because he's dead. The overlooked reality is eventually everything we claim to own will be owned by somebody else. Everything that you find so precious about your life, everything that you cherish, eventually is going to be owned by somebody else. That's a reality. We're going to die unless Jesus comes back. We are going to die and everything we cling to and everything we find identity and value in is going to be owned by somebody else. The fact is it will either be given away willingly while you're alive or it will be taken away when you're no longer alive. It's not a question of how or it's not a question of when but how. Because it will. Everything that we own will go to somebody else. But how will it go? Will it go Will we give it away while we have time? Or will it be taken away when we run out of time? And man, Jesus closes in, chapter, in verse 21 with this story, this parable, with just a blistering comment. He says, this is how it will be with those who store up things for themselves, but are not rich toward God. And right there, he gives us the definition for a greedy person. A greedy person is someone who stores up things for himself or herself, but is not rich toward God. That is what a greedy person is. You want to, if you, if you're the kind of person that does this, you can underline that and highlight it and write, this is a greedy person. And rich toward God is just Jesus taught for being generous. For being generous. See, the greedy person is the man or woman. Who saves carefully, but gives sparingly? He save carefully, but they give sparingly. Now, what is this? What is this verse trying to tell us? What is Jesus trying to convey that this is how it'll be? Is He trying to say that death is going to come upon us if we're not generous? I don't think so, because death is a given. We're all going to die. It's the fact of life. As soon as you were born, you were destined to die unless Jesus comes back and you don't go that way. Is it unexpected death? I don't think that's it either because I know a lot of generous people that die unexpectedly and I know a lot of greedy people that live to be very old. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. Here's what I think Jesus is getting at the very end of this story, you may want to write this down. I'll say it slow if you do. If you're not a writer, that's cool. Those whose eagerness to store up material goods outpaces their willingness to give will suffer a complete and total loss when their time runs out what Jesus is telling us, those whose eagerness to store up material goods outpaces their willingness to give will suffer a complete and total loss when their time runs out. You see, this parable does two things for us. It defines greed from God's perspective. Tells us exactly what it looks like to be greedy, and it offers an incredibly practical solution. The problem is is that God's definition of greed is a lot more broad than we would like, and His solution to greed is a lot more personal and practical than we would like. You see, we've been talking about monster spray. It's a little thing I do with my son. If you haven't been here, my son's five years old. I have a bottle of Febreze. I go in his room, I spray it around. It's a monster spray. Talk about monster spray. For guilt, the monster spray was confession. For anger, the monster spray was forgiveness. For greed, the monster spray is generosity. Generosity. You see, the right question. Just Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra? You know another way to say that? God, why do I have more than I need? Can I get real straightforward with you? I have prayed in the altar before and cried my eyes out to God when I didn't have enough. And I've begged God for financial breakthrough, financial miracle. Have you been there? You've been there, God. Please, I'm begging you. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know where food's going to come from, God. My my bank account is empty, and I've got to go buy groceries tomorrow. And I've asked God when I don't have enough, but when I've got more than I need, I don't go to Him and say, God, why do I have more than I need? I will go to Him and, and complain and argue, God, why don't I have enough? Why don't we go to Him when we have more than enough? and say, God, why do I have more than enough? Why are you blessed me with more than I need? We don't do that. We don't do that because the reality is, is that greed is a monster that hides and it's very subtle and attacks our heart. We don't even realize it. You see, there's a real easy way to conquer greed. Imagine, if you will, that you have a brother or sister. Right, you're home and you've got two cookies. Okay? You've got two cookies and your little brother or little sister has no cookies. And your mom comes in and you, you and your brother are fighting and, and your mom comes in, what does she say? Does she, does she say, quick, eat them both before he can get his greedy little hands on it"? No. She says, share. Why? Because there's something in our heart that tells us it's not right when somebody has two cookies and another person has zero. There's just something internally that says that's not right. They have two. Did you bake those cookies? No. Did you earn them? No. You just got blessed with them. And they have none. Can you imagine seeing the world from God's perspective? And you look at the world and you see everybody that's got two cookies and everybody that's got no cookies. What do you think God's telling us? Hey, you got more than you need. And they don't have enough. I've created this world to kind of work. You take your extra and give it to the person that doesn't have enough. It's all going to work out. Share. If God has blessed you with more than you need, it's not so you can stuff it in your mouth and eat it real fast. It's so that you can share your abundance. This is what God tells Abraham back in Genesis. I'm going to bless you so that, that you can be a blessing. Simple truth, sharing. The thing we learned when we were in kindergarten is the key to defeating the greed monster in our hearts. I'll tell you two ways that you can share. Now just as you can't start exercising to get, or you, you can't wait to start exercising until you're actually in shape. You ever done that? I'm just gonna wait until I, I lose a few pounds and I can actually work out before I start working out. Does it work that way? You've got to work out to get in shape. You can't can't sit there and say, well, I'm going to practice generosity when I've defeated greed. Once I defeat greed, then I'll become a generous person. It doesn't work that way. Generosity is God's uh, antidote to greed. It's the way God has intended for us to defeat greed in our lives. Giving... Is the way God chooses to do that? And there's two very, very practical ways that you can give. The first way is you can become a percentage giver. You might call this a tithe. You might call this a tithe. You can become a percentage giver. A percentage giver is a person who gives away a percentage of everything that they receive right off the top as soon as they get it. You might tithing is a biblical concept that says the 10, the 10%, the 10% right off the top. We're going to talk a little bit about why maybe that's beyond your reach right now because you're just starting out and whether that might actually not be enough. But a couple things before we get there. Typically, this should be the first check you write after you deposit your paycheck. Was it half the paycheck? No, it have to be. it just symbolizes that god's kingdom is going to get funded before my kingdom and i'm going to choose to live on the leftovers if i give god his gift first then i have to live on whatever's left and it's about time i learn to live on what's left why this is the reality Here's the thing about tithing. Tithing makes you adjust your lifestyle. Tithing makes you adjust your lifestyle. For most of us, a 10% cut off the top, we've got to make different choices about the way we spend the rest of our money. That's why tithing is effective. Because you have to intentionally adjust your lifestyle. Giving that does not intentionally force you to adjust your lifestyle will not defeat greed in your heart. It won't do it. But the reality of it is some of you might not be there. Start somewhere. Become a percentage giver. You've got to take a small step. I'm not asking you to jump head first into 10%. Start with 2%. If you're not there, start with 2. Start with 3. You'll never miss it. You'll never miss it. And and once you get used to it, bump it up a percent. Then bump it up another percent. Until you get to 10% and you realize, I'm making different financial decisions because I'm giving to God first. When you get to that point, you start realizing, I'm, I'm not as if, I'm, greed is being defeated in my life. I'm not consuming everything that comes in. Now when something comes in, I actually start asking God, what do you want me to do with this extra? God, what do you want me to do with this extra? But here's the truth. You may need to give it a higher percent to defeat greed. Ten percent might not be anything to you. Let's face it, okay? Here's some real basic math. I don't get this, but this is how it works in my life. When I was uh, 17, I worked as a cart pusher at Walmart. I made about $120 a week, I think, something like that. Maybe, Maybe that was a lot. I don't remember. Maybe $120 a week. Trust me, 12 bucks is a lot. That's 10%, but 12 bucks is a lot. You say, that's not a lot. It's a lot. If you're making $30,000 a year and you're trying to support your family, and all of a sudden they cut that to $27,000 a year, you're not talking about, do I go with the deluxe cable package or the standard cable package? You're talking about, do I eat spaghetti or do I eat uh, the, the noodles that you just pour water in and heat them up? It's like spaghetti. What's it called? Ramen noodles. Listen, I get that. But the fact is, if you're making $300,000 a year, and you're trying to live off of $270,000 a year, I don't have a lot of pity for you. I'm yeah. not trying to be cross. I'm just telling you the basics of it. There's a, lot, there's a big difference between trying to live off of $27,000 and trying to live off of $270,000. The fact is, you might need to give it a higher cut to impact your lifestyle. And you want to know what? The pastor's not just preaching this and giving the minimum. Hope and I have been talking for the last three or four, weeks, three or four months. God has blessed us. 10% isn't as hard as it used to be. you need to go up just this month in October. I don't tell you this to brag. I don't tell you this to, ooh, look at me. i tell you this to say, hey, I'm not just preaching it. I'm living it. We just bumped up to 13%. Why? Because I don't want greed in here. I don't want greed right here. God has blessed me. God has blessed our family. And if I have to bump up a couple percentage points to adjust the decision making that I do, so that my first thought is not "How can I consume what comes in," but God, "How can I? What, what do you want me to do? I want to direct this the way you want me to do it. I'll do it." So you might need to give it a higher cut, but it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. We also need to become spontaneous givers. You might call this offering. What do we call this offering? Was a spontaneous giver. A spontaneous giver sees a need, and then they give. They see a need. They realize, I've got extra. Someone's in need, so I share. In fact, we're actually going to give you an opportunity to practice spontaneous giving in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, we're going to kick off our Christmas offering. We're going to raise, we're going to raise uh, money for, for Christmas. We're going to give Jesus an offering, a spontaneous gift that we're going to plan out. It's going to be an opportunity that's not it's not part of your regular tithes. It's not part of your percentage giving. It's part of your spontaneous, I've got extra, so I'm going to give. We're going to start, we're going to kick that off on November 6th. We'll start talking about it and sharing with you and dreaming of what could God do if we all spontaneously gave him a gift for Christmas. And again, it's not something I'm preaching or not believing. We're working it out right now. Here's what we want to do. Here's what our family is trying to do right now. We, we have agreed that we will not spend more on Christmas than we give to Jesus. So our Christmas offering is going to at least equal what we spend on Christmas. The fact is, you will find out if greed has a hole in your heart by opening up your checkbook. See where most of your money goes. pastor that I I listen to and I, I follow a little bit, his desire is that the number one expense in his bank account is his gift to his church. More than his house payment. I'm not there. My rent is more than I get from church. I'm not there, but I'm not satisfied either. Do what it takes. Do what it takes. What about you? If we got real personal and opened up your bank account and started making a line out of it, total expenses, where would God fall? Second? Third? That, that's, that's fine. That's pretty good. Fourth? Fifth? Will he be in the top ten? You see, practicing these two habits will break the grip of greed on your life. When do you think you have extra Or you think you don't have extra, give. See, that's the point. The point is to force us to adjust our lifestyles. And the fact is, this isn't me. This is Jesus. If you're not willing to do it, if you're not willing to adjust your lifestyle, then according to Jesus, you're greedy. If you consume to the point of having nothing left over to give, your greed. Is that harsh? Yes, it's harsh. Is it true? Absolutely. Is it fun to preach? No. But it's true. You say, I've never had a greedy feeling in my life. Every time I see someone in need, my heart goes out to them. I just don't have enough to give. And greed is not a feeling. Greed is a of greed. You see, anger, you can tell. Uh, I'm angry, it just leaps out. But greed hides. That's why it's so scary, and that's why it's so destructive. Because you never know. You don't even realize it. In closing, I usually wrap up in closing, but in closing, you clarify something. Having money is not a back. You shouldn't feel guilty If you feel guilty this morning You have heard the wrong message There's absolutely no reason To feel bad About having a lot of money The problem is when you don't understand Why You have money That's where the problem comes Not understanding why Because the fact is It's not yours anyway God lays claim to it all. If you follow Jesus and you follow God and your heart is dedicated to His, you don't own it anyway. He's already claimed it. And remember what he said at the beginning. Eventually everything we own will be owned by somebody else. So you know what that means? We're not owners. We're managers. And you shouldn't feel guilty. You should feel responsible. See, I've got a friend of mine who's a financial planner. He he helps people manage their money. He helps people direct their money where they want it to go. He doesn't feel guilty that he helps people direct it. He doesn't feel guilty if he's got a client that's got a lot of money and he's managing where a lot of money goes, or if he's got a client, he doesn't feel guilty. Responsible. We're managers. Managing God's money. We're guilty. Some people get more to manage and some people don't get as much to manage. It's all God's inner. So we should feel responsible. We should feel the weight on our shoulders. To look up at God and say, God, what do you want me to do with the extra? You've given me more than I need. What do you want me to do with the extra? That's what we should together. In our prayer time, I just want you to in your own way, ask God sincerely from your heart. First, God, am I greedy? Is there greed in my heart? Is the monster of greed wrapped its tentacles around my heart so that I am not like you? the question i ask God. God, what do you want me to do with the extra that you blessed me with? What would you have me do with your resources? What would you have me do? You've given me the talents that I have. You've given me the ability that I have. You're the one who energizes my work ethic. You're the one who's made me intelligent. You're the one who's made me hardworking. What would you like me to do with the assets that you've entrusted me with? What do you want me to do with the extra? So let's all bow our heads this morning. I want you to pray with me. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell. We'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.